This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And welcome back into our all-star break edition of RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com, out in the Los Angeles area. Kurt, we get to take an exhale this week. No games, don't have to worry about what happened last yeah. night, not wondering what happens tonight, but but get a reset on the league. And we're going to get into All-Star Game maybe a little bit later. Again, it's All-Star Game. I want to get to the news of the day. But I want to start with the buyout market and impacts on teams. And it's really interesting. This is the classic example about how one team's junk could be perceived as another team's treasure, usually out of desperation, out of who a player used to be on the buyout market, and sort of what they think that the player might resurrect his career or not. So I want to start at home here with the Miami Heat and what they did. They traded Dwayne Dedman to open two roster spots. They filled one with Kevin Love. Everyone knows who Kevin Love is. Everyone knows the champion. What he's done was pushing Tyler Hero last season for the NBA Sixth Man Award. And then out of nowhere, you've seen him a little bit more. He played in Portland last season, Cody Zeller, for another big man to at least get another big body in there. I'm not going to rate and go through that. I know, Kurt, you do that more pro basketball talk. But just to talk about what the Heat added. When you look from afar and you say, okay, the Miami Heat are in seventh place in the East, half a game out of a regular playoff spot, competitive all the way up to the number five seed with New York and with Brooklyn. When you saw the Heat's moves, what was your reaction, Kurt Heelan? Um, Cody's a nice addition. He's fine. But I thought Kevin Love was probably the best addition of any team at the All-Star break. I mean, at the at the buyout market. Just because he can still play a little. He's he's taken a step back from even where he was last year. Like you said, he, was, he finished second in six-man of the year voting, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, a distant second, but a second. Um but he's still got a lot to contribute. He just had fallen out of the rotation with all the young guys and bodies they had in, in Cleveland. I think in a limited role here, look, he doesn't bring PJ Tucker's defense, but he brings shooting floor spacing. Good. Still a very good passer, still a very good rebounder slat and outlet passer. Like I just think his veteran presence, I just think culturally he fits too. He's just going to walk in the locker room, and be able to play. And I, I, I think, like I said, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these teams pick up guys thinking, Oh, you know, if we can just get him to play like his old self a little, or if we can fit the player into this box that he doesn't really fit into anymore, but love, love can still play. He's still looking for, he just wants minutes. He wants a role and Miami can give it to him. So I think it's a great pickup. Yeah. After the trades were done and we saw who fits, who doesn't fit in, who might be an expiring contract, the original name I went out and looked at, and they said Dario Saric would be the perfect heat buyout market guy if they could get him. Big body, outside shooter, yeah. stretch four, maybe play with Bam, maybe replace Bam. The Thunder actually are good, and they're going to keep Dario, and they're going to make their playoff or at least play and push, and they certainly yeah. are right there. He didn't shake free. So I guess for a plan B, outside stretch four, maybe backup center, I could see how it makes sense. I certainly can see the heat uh, hiding Kevin Love in their zone defense. They play more zone yeah. defense than really, I think, any by the end of the season. Than any, statistically than anybody, yeah. It's pretty, yeah. It's so, actually so by pretty the end of the season, out. he might fit in there. I mean, they certainly already try to hide the likes of Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, and some others, and have found a degree of success with that. So I can see that also. 
The problem is he had the thumb injury early in the season. His three-point shooting went down. So is he healed and he's back to the three-point shooter? Or is it just another guy who keeps this Miami Heat three-point shooting percentage way down this season? So we'll get a read on that. Can understand that. Cody Zeller sort of caught me by surprise. So I called a friend who's a scout in another team, and they said, look, we had him in for a workout. He looked good. He's NBA ready to go right now. He's in condition. He's kept himself in shape. He's sort of the big body you guys didn't have behind Bam Adebayo when Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, I wish, when Dwayne Dedman was out <laughs> with his foot injury and then his play that fell off. But I got to ask you, Kurt, because I know you put together a list of buyout guys. You ranked them. You said who's available. We mentioned guys who weren't in the league this year could still be signed. Honestly, Kurt, was there anything in pro basketball talk at NBCSports.com that had you put Cody Zeller on your list of available possible buyout market guys? No, I, I didn't expect it at all. That, you're right. I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. But I also think, like you said, for the role he's being asked to play, if he's in shape and focused, he's perfectly fine. Like he's not going to be asked. Bam's the center, right? You're asking for during the regular season, some rest minutes. And then possibly when you get to the playoffs and you run into a Joel Embiid or a Brooke Lopez, where you're going to want a true big body out there for stretches, you can be that guy. Like I actually think the fit's pretty good, and I, but no, he wasn't on any list. I didn't see this one coming. Yeah, I'm surprised by it. I'm going to fill people in here a little bit. The Heat and Andy Ellisberg, who's as sharp at this as anyone. By the way, if you want to, you can chime in on our chat board, our YouTube chat board. So give us your thoughts on what you think about the buyouts, maybe the direction you thought the Heat could have gone. I'll read some of the comments in a little while. So we'll get to that also. The Heat still have the ability to carve out one more roster spot under the luxury tax. Andy Ellisberg, who's a whiz at this kind of stuff, the Heat's general manager, decided he would pay Kevin Love out of his biannual exception, gave him $3.1 million. The reason for that was the biannual exception can only be used when you're below the, the um, luxury tax threshold, the hard cap threshold, the apron. The Heat will not be that in the offseason once Tyler Hero's extension kicks in, is added to Bam Adebayo's deal, is added to Kyle Lowry's deal, is added to Duncan Robinson's deal. So because of that, they couldn't use their biannual. They could use it once every other year, as the name signifies. So they put it on that. What they did is they, set, they saved the remainder of their mid-level exception. They gave a portion of it to Caleb Martin. They still have about a $4 million chunk left. That can be offered for up to four years. Most often, it's offered for three years. What the Heat can do with that now is cut a player on the current roster, bring in another player. If it's a veteran, assign him to the money, whatever he wants. If it's a prospect, they can craft a three-year contract not fully guaranteed and have the player in their program. That's what they did last season with Haywood Highsmith, is they gave him that three-year deal, which has annual guarantee dates. So there's a bunch of directions that he can still go with this. The Heat, at the end of the year, should they craft the roster space, which they would need for that extra exception money, can take the two-way contracts of Orlando Robinson and Jamal Cain, convert them to a standard deal, make those players playoff eligible, and lock in those players in their program like they did with Hayward Highsmith for one or two more additional years and sort of have them there with the players saying, you know what, if I can get $5 million guaranteed, it's more than I had in a two-way, I can do that. They can also find an outside player who's excelling in the G League. That's what they did four years ago with Kendrick Nunn when they waived Rodney Magruder two days before the end of the season, and on the last day of the season, they brought in Kendrick Nunn for that kind of contract. That's an option. 
The other option is this. They could simply give Cody Zeller a tryout. And after they have him on the roster for a month, go, yep, we don't need him. Or he's not what we thought. Can cut him and bring in another player as long as he was waived by a team by March 1st and make, make that player playoff eligible. So the other part of this equation is, well, Ira, you said we have a full 15. We don't have a roster spot. Obviously, you can cut Udonis Haslam, but that's not going to happen because he's heat person for life. couple of things. One, if Cody Zeller doesn't work out, roster spot still can offer the contract. Two, it seems to me that Cody Zeller is going to be competing for time with Omer Yurtsevin, who hasn't played this season, is coming off a November ankle surgery. If Cody Zeller beats out Omer Yurtsevin, and Omar Yurtsevin is not what people thought, they can always cut Omar Yurtsevin and bring in Orlando Robinson on a longer-term deal and have a backup center available. Omar Yurtsevin is going to be a free agent. Or honestly, they could cut Haywood Highsmith, who's been getting minutes because he's been an undersized big man, that he could wind up cutting Haywood Highsmith and do that also. So the Heat aren't done. The only rule is this. If you were on an NBA roster this season, you must have been waived by March 1st to be playoff eligible. If you're not on an NBA roster this season or, or have already been cut, right. player like DeMarcus Cousin, player like Dwight Howard coming back from overseas, player like Cody Zeller was who wasn't on a roster, you can get signed anytime to the last day of the season and become playoff eligible. So basically the Heat not only set themselves up with their maximum of two additions, they left open the spot for another one, which brings me to this. There's always questions about whether your team acted in haste or not. There's some consternation right now. The Sixers went out. They signed Dwayne Dedman after he was cut by the Sixers. Yesterday, Chicago cut Tony Bradley, a nice prospect for a big man who might have been a better fit long-term for Philly. Philly fans are, why are you rushing to Dwayne Dedman? Yesterday, the Washington Wizards agreed with a Will Barton buyout, and he's available. He's a name I like for the Heat. I think the Heat bench scoring yes. last in offense in the league by points per game, fourth worst by offensive rating, might use another player. A player like that becomes available. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Kurt Healing, because you do all your lists and everyone should go to Pro Basketball Talk. Is there anyone still out there on the buyout market besides a Will Barton who you see out there? Because they move quick. I mean, RJ Hampton yeah. got cut yesterday by Orlando, signed today by Detroit. The teams know who they are. Do you think we've pretty much settled down except for Will Barton on the buyout market and sort of, okay, trading deadline February 9th, buyout deadline seems to be done by about February 22nd. Do you think mostly the buyout market has settled? Do you think Utah might set another player or two free? Or do you think teams have sort of indicated we got who we have, we want right now, the Patrick Beverly move, the Russell Westbrook yeah. move that was settled in? So to give me your state of the buyout market, from a heat perspective and league-wide perspective. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get anybody on the buyout market left who is of, outside of Will Barton who can actually help you. I think that there's there's always some end-of-the-roster juggling, kind of like you talked about, like, hey, this guy hasn't really worked out for us. If we wave him, cut him, we can bring in another prospect. There's teams looking at that kind of 14th, 15th guy on the roster, convert a two-way guy they like. It's that kind of stuff. There's the Will Barton's the only guy left out there who I think could see mi serious minutes the rest. Of, well, I mean, uh, serious minutes with a decent team the rest of the season and potentially actually help a team in the playoffs. Everybody else, I think it's just into the bench. I don't think there's another name player out there now that the, like you said, the Beverly's and the Westbrooks are off the board.
you know, I could see a team like a Detroit, maybe with a Corey Joseph, or just when they get worse and worser, that a veteran might go, whoa, it's almost March 1st here. You know, get me out of here. We are going nowhere. You brought in an RJ Hampton. We're going younger. Give me a chance. Nerlens Noel is another guy who's been mentioned. Maybe, maybe one of your bigs gets hurt. Maybe Cody Zeller. Honestly, by March 1st, you know, we're still talking a week. They look at Cody Zeller and go, whoa, now I know why this guy wasn't in the league. And they do make another move. So there could be some ancillary moves. That's why I like how the Heat gave themselves flexibility under the tax. They could still make another move. Um, there's one more out there. I know at some point in your career, you're just riding the wave. And you might as well be in the location you want with the coach you want. There used to be a player in the NBA who at one point was a fantastic rookie, uh, MVP candidate, had some great seasons in another city, and now disappears. So I don't know if you're as familiar with this name. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Kurt. Is Derrick Rose just going to fade into the sunset oh. in New York? And just, I know you were for a second, you were like, where the hell is he going? What am I going to have to think <laughs> of? Is Derrick Rose just going to fade into the sunset? I thought he was a possible buyout guy also. There was a little of that, but he has such a great relationship with Tibbs still, even though he's um, kind of out of the rotation, really not playing in New York much. Um, I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's looking to move on. I don't know that he's looking unless without a Patrick Beverly return home to Chicago kind of situation. And Beverly's just better than Rose right now. Um, I don't know that he would leave that situation, but maybe, I mean, maybe if he thought there were minutes, if, if a team were like, like the heat or someone else said, Hey, come here and there's minutes and you know, on a team like my, the Knicks are headed to the postseason. If he could get minutes on a team that was headed to the postseason, he'd consider it. But He's also fallen out of Tom Thibodeau's rotation, right, which is a sign coach. that, yeah, yeah. like Tom Thibodeau loves him and he's not playing him, which, which is kind of a sign. Yeah, no, and Vic goes in the tri- on the chat board here and he says, Rose already said he wants to mentor the young guys in New York. I got to be honest. Yeah. That's what you say when you're not playing. That's yeah, how you exactly. try to sort of, you know, put, put lipstick on, you know, the situation you're in right now because you're not going to get the chance. You might as well say you're going to mentor just like Udonis Haslam does, just like because you know you're not going to get in the rotation. And it is interesting yeah. for anyone who thought that he'd actually had faith that UD could play and be a factor. They would not have added all these big men. I mean, let's be candid. We love UD. He went to all-star weekend with his children because he wanted to celebrate yep. his final season. We know this is the end game, but this tells you all you need to know. Eric Spolstra can tell you all you want. I have all the confidence in the world to put UD in there. I know we can still get it done. Well, you don't go out and add a Cody Zeller then and add a Kevin Love. And know that an Omar Yurtsevin is coming back if you actually saw that. So that really does become the placeholder roster spot. So I wanted to get you in this first segment. I got a feeling it'll bleed into the second. Some thoughts on some of the other buyout guys. There was a lot of interest down here from fandom about Russell Westbrook. I can tell you there was almost no interest from the front office here, Miami Heat, with Russell Westbrook. I know we've seen the reports he's been in contact with that often is agent-driven to set up a market to say almost the agent calling the heat and saying, hey, let's talk about Russell Westbrook. And then it comes out on one of our great sources, Russell Westbrook has been in conversations with the – no, no, they made a phone call. Who even knows if Pat Riley picked it up? Probably not. Andy Ellisberg, maybe. Adam Simon, possibly. Eric Amsler, you don't know what level they spoke to because it's just getting it out there. I think the Clippers are good. I think the man situation of point guard has actually worked out okay because yeah. it gives them length and possibilities, and they played very well lately. 
So I want you, Kurt, to sort of crystallize this as we end our first segment. We'll talk about some of the other buyout guys after our redrecover.com first intermission here on Inside the Paint. Your honest interpretation of the Clippers going for Russell Westbrook based on what you've seen in Los Angeles with the Lakers, sort of give me your take. How did you rate that acquisition, that move for the Clippers? Oh, there's two parts to this. First off, I sat in a pregame press conference, you know, around the trade deadline when we're talking about buyout market guys with Ty Lue's pregame ramble. And they're like, what are you looking for? He's like, well, what we really need is, and he starts going through, we really need a guy who can work a little off the ball, who's a good shooter, who's a good defender, because Kawhi and Paul George are going to theoretically have the ball the most, but we need a guy who can do some secondary playmaking and help with that and be a floor general. And then he went on to praise Russell Westbrook and we kind of look at each other in the press room like, you know, he just described the anti-Russell Westbrook. Right. I'm not the sure. Opposite. I'm not yeah. sure right? um, but I will say this, the guys in the locker room wanted him. And it wasn't just Paul George. I used to play with him way all the way down the roster. Everybody wanted to bring him in. It's kind of a play. And I think Ty Lue has a soft spot for him uh, going back to their previous relationship. I just think there was a lot of pressure from that end and they need a spark. They do need something there. They talked about their people are talking about, well, here he can just fit in our system and do this. And I'm like, when right. does he fit in? When is he <laughs> last fit in anyway? Yeah. I, you, the Lakers did this. Other teams have done this where you're like, well, if Russ just conforms his game to this box, it'll be, no, it's not going to happen. I think it's, a, I, I think it's going to end poorly, but there, but I also think they were in a situation where they realize even with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back and they're playing kind of well, they're not, they're certainly not Phoenix. They're not as talented, even though they haven't come play together. They're not Denver. They probably can't beat Memphis. And they're like, we got to do something. And so they rolled the dice. Started or off the bench for Russell Westbrook with the Clippers? I bet he's starting within, within a few games. And just, I want you to sort of put Heat Nation fan down here from your perspective. So to close out this opening segment on redrecover.com, Inside the Paint, is there any degree that Kurt Heelan, when he looks at the Heat roster, knew they have a point guard with Kyle Lowry struggling with that knee injury, yeah. with Gabe Vincent starting instead, with no true third-string point guard, is there any sense from what you've seen watching Russell Westbrook for two years with the Lakers that he's one that got away from the Heat? No. I just I, – I don't think it's – the upgrade is worth the challenges that come with it because it's not that much of an upgrade over what Kyle's even the limited Kyle is going to do. He Russ pushes the pace. He can still get to the rim and finish a little. He's still, he, he racks up numbers, but guy is shooting. I mean, it's true shooting below percentage is below 50%. Like he doesn't generate efficient points at all. He mucks up the spacing is everybody just begs him to shoot from the outside. And the, the best part is at Laker games, when he would stop and line up his feet for a three or even a kind of long two and the other teams letting him have it, there's like audible gasps in Staples Center where you're like, you hear the whole crowd going, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I don't see it being, like, it's just, he's not that much better than Kyle Lowry, if at all. And the challenges uh, are considerable. Fair enough. When we come back after our first break here in redrecover.com inside the paint, We'll round up the rest of the buyout market. We'll go through the Heat roster and what we expect sort of on the rise or on the fall for Heat players over the final 23 games of the season. We'll look at the Eastern Conference playoff race. We'll size up the Heat schedule ahead. we got a lot of work ahead of us, Kurt Heelan. That's after this break right. on redrecover.com, Inside the Paint. 
This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And welcome back to RedRecover.com inside the paint, our weekly 9 a.m. Eastern show. Uh, we talk about the Miami Heat and go around the league. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. If you missed our first segment, we spoke about the Kevin Love impact, the Cody Zeller impact, the NBA buyout market. You can find that anywhere you can find the Big O Show podcast. Want to continue just a little bit. Buyout market, Kurt Heelan. We know Danny Green went to the Cavaliers. We know there have been some other subtle moves. Terrence Ross to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, RJ Hampton yesterday, more of a developmental move, went to the Detroit Pistons. Do you see the buyout market in any way altering the NBA landscape? In other words, were there any moves that you saw and you said, ah, now that the Clippers have Bones Highland, it's a different world. Now that the Nuggets have yeah. Reggie Jackson, things are different. Uh, Danny Green, we haven't seen seemingly in two years going to the Cavs. Do you think anywhere where you were doing your power rankings at Pro Basketball Talk, you said, ah, because they got this guy, this moves this team up? I, I think the only two moves that I thought were positives were Kevin Love to the Heat, which I think, like, again, we've talked fits a need, just it fits a spot in the roster, that a, a kind of a hole. Um, I do think with Lonzo Ball out for the season in Chicago, bringing in Patrick Beverly, bringing him home to Chicago where he'll talk even more, I guess. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, they're going with Io, um, up, you know, a good defensive point guard up top, giving a lot of minutes to Cody Zeller. You can throw Patrick Beverly in that mix and, and get a little more veteran professionalism. So maybe they can actually make the postseason. I mean, they're, I think, the 11 seed now. That's a, a yeah, struggling they're, team. They're sort of, that, that might be our NBA sort of lost in the sauce team this season. I mean, they were waiting yeah. for Lonzo Ball, waiting for Lonzo Ball. I know Heat fans were interested here because when they made the Patrick Beverly edition, there was some thought that Goran Dragic would shake free. And honestly, yeah. like I described, if you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast. If they would have used that extra roster spot, that might have been the perfect place for it. So I thought that sort of created an interest level there. I don't really see anything particular around the league. I think Danny Green shooting will help the Cavaliers. Yeah. Maybe in spot moments as a playoff savvy player who's living in the moment. So I could see that to a degree also. Otherwise, it, again, it is what it is. There's a reason these players are bought out. There's a yes. reason their team thought that it. they couldn't add something to it. So they move on. The Russell Westbrook is an outlier. That you simply do not have a $40 million-plus player shake free like that at this time of the season. You have to be really bad to get a buyout with that type of salary, which tells you you're more of what used to be a name than who's a player right now. And it really is interesting because a lot of these teams that got rid of these guys are now adding 10-day contracts, two-way contracts. They're realizing they would rather have a young player for the future rather than this salary that's sort of sitting there as salary cap ballast along the way. Want to go to one other name. And again, sometimes people can confuse the buyout market with the 10-day market because they do overlap and interlink. But we know there was an unusual situation here. Because of the anti-Semitic comment made while he was on a video oh. stream, and he has absolutely been atoning, the perfect word in this situation, for two years since. The Milwaukee Bucks and Myers Leonard, do you see this more as just stopgap? Because Giannis is out. He announced at the All-Star game he's going to deal with that wrist injury because Bobby Portis is still out. What was your thought, one, when you saw, hey, that used to be Myers Leonard, number one. What was your, what's your thought as far as the Bucks going for the 10-day here? 
knowing the degree of heat they will take also bringing a player back in that situation. The Miami Heat play in Milwaukee ESPN national game on Friday. When you saw Myers Leonard was back, what was your thought, Kurt Heelan? Yeah, I thought it was a stopgap. I think it was just that it's with with Brooke Lopez taking up most of the minutes. They do miss Bobby Portis. And so, yeah, Giannis can play some five. But like you said, he's out. So now you bring in for these 10 days for people. You get in for 10 calendar days. And that's what three games, give or take, usually. The league rule is a minimum of three. So if your team, because of All-Star break or whatever, doesn't play three in 10-day span, they let you have a 10-day contract for 11 or 12 days, but you have to get at least three days. That's what happened uh, with Damari Bouye with the Heat. It was over the All-Star break, but he got a chance to play in three games. So you don't waive a player. Your 10-day simply expires, and you just go into the ether. Um, And you can extend him for a second 10-day before you have to sign him or cut him. Or not cut him, but let him go. So I think that that's that with the box, man. Hey, we can get 20 days of Myers Leonard. And if we, Hey, if it works out, we can sign it for the rest of the year. But I think it's, I think it's just a short, I think it's just a stop gap and it's somebody they thought could step in and play a very limited role for them. Yeah. I think it's really good for Myers for this reason. It's hard to be the first team to bring a quote unquote controversial player back. But once you get to break the ice, I think it'll be easier yeah. for the next team, whether it's summer league, whether it's in the offseason, in free agency. So I think it's a nice spot for Myers. Show what you could do or can't. Everyone will do the myers Lennon story. I'm so sorry. I said the wrong thing. I misspoke. I didn't understand the word. Let that all get out there in the ether for the 10 days. And then when he goes to his next team with a more bona fide role, he's still relatively young at 30, that he can move forward. So I think this is very helpful to Myers. Yeah. Could be helpful to the Bucs, not that they need much help, and then he can sort of move on there. You will see some more of these. There are the 10-day options. The Heat, honestly, if a player doesn't work out, they can cycle through 10-day guys also. 10-day contracts mean this. As Kurt mentioned, you can sign up to two 10-day contracts with the same team. They don't have to be consecutive. It's not unusual for a team to sign a player to a 10-day, have a two-day break, let the player sort of work out with them for two days, sign them back for another 10-day. After two 10 days with the team, you must either be signed for the rest of the season or be released. You can have unlimited 10 days with as many teams as you want through the season. And this is sort of where it humbles all of us. A 10-day contract pays about $100,000 in actual cash. Counts less against the cap because of the way the cap works for veteran salaries. So it's not, it, you know, for, the, for a Myers Leonard, who's made millions in his career, not as big a deal. But when you see the guy come up from the G League, like Jamari Bouye, Jamari yeah. Bouye, in his 10-day contract with the Heat, made more money than an entire single-season salary in the G League. So it is meaningful to a certain level of guys. I know our first segment went long, so we're going to go long on this one also because I wanted to touch next here and have this open on a browser on my computer. Curtis Allen, I want to talk to you about the Eastern Conference playoff race. And I want to talk to you about maximum upside and downside for the Heat. So right now, the Heat reside with a record of 32-27 and 27 at the All-Star break. They're 10 games out of first place. Based on 23 games remaining, I sort of – I think you say they're going to count the 10 games ahead, the Bucks who are nine and a half ahead, or even the Philadelphia 76ers who are seven games ahead, although it is interesting. The Heat had still have four head-to-head meetings with the 76ers. But I did a story at the Sun Sentinel looking at all the three teams above the Heat and the three teams below the Heat. 
And Kurt Heelan, I want to get your thoughts on this. I'll mention the tiebreakers as we go through this exercise. Basically, what I want to know from you, Kurt Heelan, is this. Do you think these teams are catchable, either because the Heat will be good enough to catch or because these teams have sort of level, le- reached their level and might come down a little? So, again, it's a lot to make up in 23 games. The Heat do have a game remaining, two games remaining against them. Cleveland Cavaliers are number four right now in the NBA at 38 and 20. I think it says 23. And 38 and 23. Do you see the Heat possibly making up five games on the Cavaliers, or do you more see the Cavaliers hitting their stride and maybe challenging the 76ers? They're two games behind for third place in the East. More of the latter. I just I think that they're that's a lot of ground to make up with 20, with 23 games, whatever, whatever the number is the rest of the way. Five games is a lot to make up um, for a team, but it, they're good. And they're actually playing well again after kind of a, a rough stretch. Uh, they've got Danny Green. No, uh, they've got um, – but they're, they're, I just think that for a team that's kind of settled and is going to win a fair chunk of games the rest of the way uh, – um, and by the way, Philly's catchable. Philly's got a like the toughest schedule left in the NBA. They right. have a brutally tough schedule the rest of the way. Like <clears throat> I think Cleveland's – I think that's the target, and I just don't think – even if Miami's playing well, I just don't – that's a lot of ground to make up. They, they, you've got to get some help, and I'm not sure they're going to get enough. So if Cleveland can catch Philadelphia, that would put Cleveland at number three. The Heat are probably looking at number six. We'll get to that. Let me ask you this. Is Cleveland a team you would fear in the first round or a team, all things being equal, of the other options you might figure you have a puncher's chance or better against in the first round? I think of the big – of the top four, of you know, I think Philly – for all its potential playoff flaws and Milwaukee and Boston are going to probably advance the second round. Like those are just really top flight teams. And frankly, I think all three of them are better than anybody in the West. Um, Cleveland is the one I'd want just because as talented as they are, I just think they haven't, a lot of their guys just haven't been through the playoffs yet. Right. Like Garland and Mobley really haven't had a good playoff. They were just a, they were just a play in team last season. So they didn't get the whole, what's it like to have to win four games in the seven game series bounce between cities. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Here's the curiosity point I have. And and, and I didn't have a chance to talk to you because you did the show uh, a day earlier last week because I was traveling in Brooklyn. The Nets are number five in the East are two and a half games up on the heat and the heat totally effed up last week's game yes. from this perspective. It's a three-game season series. The Nets now have won the first two games. <coughs> Excuse me. So the Nets right now have won the season series already. No tiebreaker there. It's an odd number of games. No Heat winning a division, moving ahead of them. The Heat really blew that. But the Nets, who built their 34-24 and 24 record, were mostly a different team. I like Mikhail Bridges. The Heat saw he's a 40-point player. I like Cameron Johnson. You know we can hit threes. They, they have a very nice roster of scorers. Uh, Claxton, obviously more of a complimentary player to what they had before than, than what they have now. Looking at the Nets at 34 and 24 and where they stand right now with their 24 games remaining in the season, they're at number five right now. Where do you see them trending, Kurt Heelan? I, I think that they're catchable, which is why I, that loss last Wednesday was – a punch to the gut that was, yes. uh, you, you really did kind of, I don't know if you needed that one, but it, you just made your life a whole lot harder yes. than it, than it had to be. Um, <coughs> but I don't think that they're going to fall off a cliff. And I think that that's the problem for the Nets and uh, the Clinton, the Knicks and the heat who are the 
teams trying to get past them and into the top six is they're not going to, they're not, they didn't like just go get nobodies. Like you said, right. I mean, they, they got Spencer Dinwiddie there. Now they've got like some guys who can play a little Dorian Finney Smith. They have guys yeah. who are competent. They have guys yeah. who are at least 500 team level. It's not like they went down and did the tear down because they don't have their own picks. They right. traded them in the hardened trade. So it's of no benefit for them to tank for Wimbanyana because they're not going to get him anyway. They just extended their coach in very much of a win now mode in Jock Vaughn. So yeah. let me ask you this. Let's be honest, Kurt Heelan. The Nets are five now. If you had to pick a number and say, I'm putting the Nets and you did one of those sort of movable ESPN boards, what's the lowest sinking point you see for the Nets? Seven. But I'm not, I, I'm not sure they get there, but I think the lowest they go is seven. I don't think they fall below that. I think the Knicks and, and Heat could pass them. The Knicks right now are half a game up on the Heat. The Heat have ample opportunity with three games left against the Knicks to change that thought. The Heat are down 1-0 in the season series, so obviously they're playing from behind there. Knicks trending up. All-star Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson has been fantastic. Knicks limited by who they are, and Tom Thibodeau wearing them down. Knicks holding ground at six, moving up to five, moving down to seven. What do you see there? I got a feeling that they are, I just look as well as they think they're playing. And I think they're going to play well out of this all-star break. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a team where as this goes the rest of the way, Tibbs is just going to lean heavily on the, the handful of guys he trusts. Um, a lot of Brunson minutes, a lot of Julius Randall minutes. So these days off are probably good for them. They probably get a little bump for these next few weeks. Those I think are the three. If you're the heat though, don't you just circle? Like those are the games you have got to get got to win. Yes. And at least go at least go two and two against the Knicks. If you're yeah. a division winner like the Heat should be over Atlanta, the Knicks obviously will not be a division winner in the same team in the same uh, a division as Boston and Philadelphia. You will get that tiebreaker. So I agree. Downside. The Heat right now are three games ahead of the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks just changed coaches. We'll be playing under an interim coach after getting rid of Nate McMillan. Uh, that series, I believe, is tied 1-1. It's for the division championship, yay, which actually matters in a tiebreaker. So yeah. we can't completely discount that, although you also can win a division and not even make the playoffs, so I won't overstate it. Can the Hawks make up those three games? Can the, Haw- the Hawks push the Heat down, maybe push the Knicks down? I don't, I don't think so. I think that their issues are <laughs> – it's going to be interesting to watch this coaching search because I think their issues are structural. I think their issues are above the GM problem. Let's put it that way. Okay. They've got some really hands-on owners who are making some interesting decisions. It's I'll just put it this way. I'm really curious to watch Quinn Snyder and Kenny Atkinson, two names that come up real quick in this. And I've been, I've got a story coming up in a little bit on NBC about who could replace them. Those are guys with options. Right. Quinn not only has a lot of guys, teams who like him, Remember, Kenny Atkinson was going to be the Hornets coach. Took the Hornets and, job and then realized and then, that right, he was going for lottery. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and backed out and said, nope, this isn't what – and by the way, I had talked to him during the finals last year, and he he hinted that that wasn't out of the question because he's, he really likes being on Steve Kerr's staff, living – his kids love the Bay Area. Like, he he had a life he liked. So he's right. like, I, they've, got to, they've got to woo me. Um, he backed up. I think it's the same type of situation where he there's going to be some coaches with options. Now, if you're 
one of these guys trying to get your first NBA job, you got to take the job. <laughs> you know, you can't be turning down jobs, man. Kurt, but you if you're a guy any, with options. Do you think there's any chance the Hawks move to a permanent coach during in season? In other words, I would think a guy like Quinn Snyder would want a blank slate. Okay, let's sit down, yeah, see what we I, have. I think Kenny Atkinson would also. Do you see? Do you figure they'll just play this out, or do you think there's a chance someone might step in and give them that new coach boost during the season? The only guy that could get midseason, the only guy I think who would leave that situation because there's they're looking at uh, with the guy with the Kings and the Spurs and even the Spurs who as bad as they are, I don't think anybody's leaving midseason. I don't think Quinn, like you said, I don't think Quinn Snyder's. Hey, I'm going to take over for the last ten games is not happening. That's just not how, especially the system he runs and how he wants to coach. He's got to install a lot yeah. of stuff. Um, so I don't, I'm with you. I think that they're just a Joe Pervy is a solid, by the way, guy who's been around the block is a solid coach, but I don't think he's the guy who solves their problems. Maybe, maybe, maybe Frank Vogels me and surprises me, but I, but, but I don't think, uh, I don't think they make a move by the way. I probably call Frank if I were them, but I don't think they make a move, um, in the season. I think they get to the off season. They call those guys. And by the way, Call a couple of guys who are good at player relationships because that's going to be a lot of this, man. Somebody's okay. And I got a, I got a name yeah. for you. I, I'm going to help write a Kurt Heelan story now. I don't need credit. Don't want to get you in trouble. What about Nick Nurse? We've heard that Ooh. he might part with Toronto. Yeah. That sort of something different. He is recognized as a fantastic coach, as a player's coach, yeah. as unique. He's uh, he's won an NBA championship. What about one of those? Hey. I'm just going to try something different. I'm not going to let you Masai fire me because I'm going to move on. What about something like that? Yeah. If you don't think, if he doesn't think he's stable there, I think he'd consider it. But again, I'm not sure that this is a job. A lot of guys around the league are jumping at just because of a hands-on owner that has got very high expectations. Right. We'll see. I think the, the, the name I'm throwing out there in a little bit that I think is interesting if I'm Sam Cassell and I'm a player coach, this might right. be this might be the spot I like. He's got to land somewhere someday, and this I could see him relating to Trey Young. Like that's an interesting one. Right. But anyway, I don't. All that is to say, I don't think they're catching the heat. I don't think they're catching anybody. I think they're. And, okay, and then I think they're a 500 team the rest of the way. And so I want to go to the other teams just within the Heat's range. Three and a half behind the Heat are the Washington Wizards. They expected yeah. a much better season. Bradley Beal back. The Porzingis deal. He was going to be the guy. It has been largely uneven for them. Do you see the Wizards in any way trending up over their final 24 games of the season? Now they're streaky. I know they've had a couple of hot streaks, but I can't see them sustaining anything. They're not they're not that good. And then the team four games beyond the heat, which is a bunch to make up, but again, they've already they're tied in the season series. There's one game remaining of that. Toronto Raptors, they're at number 10. That's the last play-in spot right now. They're two games ahead of the Flandering Bulls. Toronto Raptors, do you think they might have an upside? Yeah, only because I think that the Jakob Pertle thing was a nice pickup at the trade deadline that gives them this. They've had no rim protection, nothing in the middle, and now they've got a guy that they know who Pascal Siakam was talking about this over the weekend. Like, hey, we can just plug and play him. Like, he's been here. He knows right. the system. He knows what we want to do. So I think that that's the team to watch. I think that there's upside is for all their all the weirdness with them this season and their, their incredibly poor shooting, which is just strange considering their roster. Um, like, that's a team that if, if everything was going to click somewhere, so that might be the one. But I don't – that's four games is a lot to make up unless the Heat t- fall apart. Right, but or the, head, the head-to-head games become critical. Anyway, I wanted to sort of give people a perspective there. I think the Heat can move to five if they are who they think they yeah. are. 
which is why after we come back on this break on redrecover.com inside the paint, we're going to go through the Heat roster. Expectations over the final stretch of the season for several players. We'll look at their upcoming schedule. We'll sort of set when the league actually plays games again. So all that and more after this break on redrecover.com inside the paint. This podcast replay is brought to you by redrecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself. Their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And welcome back for our final segment of three today on redrecover.com inside the paint. If you missed either of the first two, go to any podcast outlet, click on Big O Show, and watch, watch, watch. And when it comes to our sponsors, click, click, click. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. In our first segment, we spoke about the buyout market, the Kevin Love impact. You can catch that. In our second, we spoke about the NBA standings and where the Heat might finish. I'm seeing with an upside of probably five maximum, downside of you know, seven minimum. You know that's where 538 has them. 538 has them finishing fifth. Yeah, you know, it's, and again, then that changed a little because before the break, they were actually 6-7. So, you know, maybe the, the schedule and straight the schedule impacts them. Um, real quick, just to go over that. If you finish top six, you advance directly to the best of seven opening round playoffs. If you finish seven or eight, you play a game to get the number seven seed at home. If you lose that game, you play a game against the winner of the number nine, 10 game at home to be the number eight seed. Kurt, here's the deal. If you don't, if you don't finish with the top six seed, you're either seeded seven or eight. If you're seeded seven or eight in the East, you're either playing Boston or Milwaukee. So I'm gonna again we change format here because I don't care about format. So I'm gonna ask you this question: If you're playing Boston or Milwaukee, are you winning either of those series? No, I mean, okay. and again, I he's Kurt Heelan. Yeah. He's out of Los <laughs> Angeles. You can, I think, his email is at Pro Basketball Talk. You can deal with him. Yeah. I'm gonna take it a step further to further anger Heat fan and Heat Nation because the one thing Kurt has always been on RedRecover.com inside the paint is honest, Kurt. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics first round series. Let's say it's a seven eight or a, 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 rather a seven two or an eight one. Heat played the Celtics in the first round. How many games are the Heat winning in that series? I, I see. I think they're good enough to win two. I think it's a six. Okay. Okay. Six and against series. Milwaukee, and against Milwaukee in a one eight or two seven, how many do they win? Two, maybe three. Ooh. Probably two. Real series, all right. I get more Marriott points. The point being, folks, the Heat <laughs> have to finish six because, Kurt, we spoke about this when we yeah. spoke about the standings, and I think you'd agree. The Heat against the Cavaliers or the Heat against the 76ers, maybe the Nets, I doubt it, much more competitive series. I think you'd agree with yeah. that? Yeah, Matter exactly. of fact, I think, I'm not saying, but I think the Heat could beat the Sixers for a couple of reasons. One, you never know about the Joel Embiid injury factor. Remember, he missed the first two games yeah. with that facial fracture last year when the Heat played them. To playoff James Harden going all the way back to when the Heat played the Thunder for the championship in 2012 has never been a great playoff player. So if the Heat played the 76ers, Kurt, I think you would agree to unanger Heat Nation that they would at least have at least a puncher's chance, if not yeah. better, right? I, I think that they have a chance. The other thing that I just don't like about Philadelphia in the postseason is that they're going to play heavy minutes of the Maxi Harden backcourt, and that's very athletic on the offensive end, neither of them can defend. There are real spots for a Tyler Hero and other guys to target because you can – that's the great thing about the playoffs, right? You can really target matchups. 
when you've got two guys out there you can target in the backcourt, like that's something Miami can go at. Yeah. And, and, and there's also the factor of, you remember last year when the Heat won the playoff series and won their game in Philadelphia, and Jimmy Butler goes, they chose Tobias Harris over me when it came to free agency yeah. in 2021. I think that also, Jimmy doesn't need motivation. He's motivated enough in the playoffs, but it doesn't hurt to have that in his back pocket also. That's why it's so important to finish at least number six. To that end, the Heat did something very interesting during the buyout market by not doing something during the buyout market. And it's this. They didn't address their backcourt. They didn't address point guard. To you, Kurt Heelan, does that tell you the Heat believe that Kyle Lowry can become a functioning member of their society again? Or do, do you think that he just didn't have better options? What do you foresee from Kyle Lowry the final 23 games of this regular season and beyond in the playoffs for the Miami Heat from Kyle Lowry? I think I, I'm optimistic he can be better than he has been, which is I, – I think all you can be at this point is, is hope that he can, but I think the reason they didn't make a move is exactly what you said, which is I, we talked about Westbrook. I don't think Beverly for all his bluster is much of an upgrade either. Like, I don't think there, there just wasn't a better, there wasn't a situation that was better for them. And so they're going to ride this out and then hope that Kyle Lowry, because you, I remember we'd still do see flashes, right? We do, but Kurt Heelan, I have a question for you on this. The last 600-plus games that Kyle Lowry has played, he has started. Some players can make the transition. Dwayne Wade did. Warren Rogers did for the Miami Heat. They reconvene tomorrow at Miami Dade Arena. They go on the road to Milwaukee on Friday. You're Eric Spolster. Congratulations. You're now making $6 million a year. You don't need to do the Red Bull. The paint show. <laughs> do you think they would dare move Kyle Lowry to the bench? First off, I would still be here with you to do the inside the paint awesome. redrecover.com inside the paint show with you, Ira. Um, who are they starting? Then Gabe? Um, Gabe, yeah. I'd explore it. I, I, I guess and this is the question that I you are a better position to answer than I, which is how does that affect Kyle? Like, is would he accept that or would he? I, mean, I don't think anybody wants it. But like you said, some guys kind of get to a point in their career. Derek Rose was even there where he's like, you know what? All right. This is who I am now. That's fine. And I can thrive in this role. Would he be that guy or would he just lose it? That, you know what? It's interesting. Before the trade deadline, if this would have happened, I would have told you Kyle would not go for it. He would have pouted his way through the season, yeah. maybe not shown up, you know, one of those stay home guys. I think the reality for Kyle and his agent was this. There was no market for him in the trade market. Even for teams like your Clippers yep. and teams that needed point guards, they still didn't try to get creative with the Heat and come up with something. So I think Kyle knows to a degree that he's stuck. I think once you register with you that you're stuck and that there is no better plan B for you, I think he might be more open-minded to it. The difference is the Heat don't have that definitive point guard answer. Hey, Vince has been okay. He has not been great he's, he's okay. to move ahead of him. I think Eric Spolstra does the old short leash. Try to go back to Kyle, but don't let it fester through a 14-point deficit six minutes into the game. Go back to Kyle, and two minutes in, if it doesn't work, go, hey, we're just cycling. This is all rotational. Don't worry about it, Kyle. You'll be right back in there, and they move in another direction. Because the bottom line is, they don't have that third option of point guard. I know Victor Oladipo can play the point, and Tyler Hero can play the point, and Jimmy's going to handle, and Bam's going to handle. 
but it's still very, very tenuous there. So I think that'll be curious. I'm going to give you another absolutely other side of the roster guy. Guy who hasn't played at all. Just curious how you think they might handle the situation. Omar Yurcevid, when he played last season, when Bam was out for seven weeks with the thumb surgery, was fantastic. He was a double-double machine. The question was, was he a double-double machine in the mode of a great player or in the Hassan Whiteside, someone's got to get statistics <laughs> mode? You know Eric Spolstra as a veteran win-now coach. Omar Yurcevid comes back to practice tomorrow. Ankle seems fine. Eric Spolstra goes into the back-to-back set, so he's going to monitor minutes Friday in Milwaukee, Saturday in Charlotte. Bam Adebayo goes to the bench. Who comes off the bench there? Do you think it's Cody Zeller, who has played no games ever for the Miami Heat? Yeah. Omar Yurtsevin, the next big thing for the Miami Heat last season. Kevin Love in a smaller lineup. How do you think Eric's going to work through this initially? I'm, I could make my Udonis Haslam joke here. Um, yeah, I would go. go <laughs> now, I bet they give Kevin Love a shot. It was, that's kind of, I guess it also depends on, like, you've. I think you've got to get Yurtsevin some minutes just to see – there's there's being back and then there's being back right like okay. is it, yeah and so I think you've got to get him some run if over this back to back to say hey right, where are you like physically where are you obviously he's going to be after missing all this time there's going to be conditioning issues and what have you but like can he come back and really contribute or is he not all the way back to helping that much yet I think you need to find out but I think you can I think this is where you lean on love a little bit and see what he's got. For yeah, I, I, the priority is get Kevin Love. Who is he? Why does he? How can you play him? Yeah. Power forward, center, starter, backup. That's the priority. The yeah. interesting thing was the second game back at Charlotte, which of course is the Cody Zeller revenge game, but I don't know if they play it that <laughs> he's way. He's gonna go off for 50. Yeah, exactly. They play it differently. <laughs> Want to get to the chat board really quick. Um, basically, Alex is saying start uh start Gabe over Lowry. I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, Alex chimes in, Depot is hurt too much, so it's not an option. That's the other name I wanted to go to. Victor Oladipo, it was a nice run. It was a nice comeback story. He was very good defensively in last season's yeah. playoffs. Then he gets injured again. The ankle injury didn't play for almost three weeks before the All-Star break right now. When you're going through your rotations, who you're counting on or who you're not, are you still counting on Victor Oladipo if you're the Miami Heat? Or have you moved on to greater priorities? And also, Kurt, what's been your thought on Victor Oladipo this season? I thought he played fairly well, like when the, like you said, when he was back. And maybe not, the certainly not peak Victor Oladipo, but like solid rotation guy. I can trust Victor Oladipo. He was that guy. Um, I would, if I'm Eric Spolstra, do I want to f- see if I can get that guy back for the playoffs? Okay. I, and just, and, and, like you said, he was really valuable last playoffs. Can I get him back and sh- match him up in certain re- – just depending on who we play, there might be matchups where I could use him. Absolutely. But um, I, but I don't know how much I – I mean, how much can you really trust him at the regular season? Like, I'm, I'm not saying completely move on because there's spots you could use him, but I'm not right. sure I – what about you? I mean, is he going to really – how much can he really trust him, Ira? I don't know if I can trust him, but I also know he can't shoot. He's not the scorer yeah. you want. He's ball-centric. You need other guys to get the ball. I think that chip might have moved on. Vic Popo says here, start him in the playoffs, which would mean starting him ahead of Kyle Lowry. I don't think that would happen. No. Ahead of Gabe Vincent, that might happen. But the point I'm trying to make here before we go to the schedule is this. The Heat have so many question marks because of their injuries, because they're bringing Vic back, and they're bringing Kyle Lowry back, and they're bringing Omar Yurtsevin back. Remember, Tyler Hero missed a couple of games with the knee. All he's done during the break is the three-point contest, went out in the first round, didn't overextend himself. 
Tomorrow, I think, is going to be one of the most fascinating practices of the season. I'll be back with Big O on Friday in our Accurate Pembroke Pines report. We'll discuss that and where the heat are headed. So as we close it out today on our RedRecover.com Inside the Paint Show, want to look ahead at the schedule. Milwaukee Bucks on Friday, I would have said, that's an automatic scheduling loss played for the second game of the back-to-back. With Giannis out, which I assume will be the case, so a specialist yeah. in New York, I still think the Bucks are better. I still think with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez, knowing their system, they're a better team. But the Heat did win the two games at home that Giannis missed against the Heat. What are your thoughts on Heat versus Giannis-less Bucks on Friday night, ESPN National TV? I, that's one you can steal. Um, and I, I, I think you're right about this. Mate, you've got to make sure you win one of the back-to-back. Charlotte is in the tank. Um, but they still got Lonzo, not Lonzo, LaMelo Ball. Like, they still... Terry Rozier, they got some guys where if you just ignore them, they'll give you a problem. No, so PJ Washington really beat them the last time they yeah, played. Yeah, that's true. To get your uh, thoughts PJ, in this, Kurt Heelan, 23 games to go, back to back. Do you still protect Jimmy Butler with that 28-minute limit, or do you say, screw it, this is go time? We have protected your minutes for this time. Do you think coaches, yeah. now that we get to the final six-week stretch run of the season, do you still protect back-to-backs or not when it comes to the heat of Milwaukee on Friday and Charlotte on Saturday? No, not unless, not until the last week or so before the playoffs, and especially if you can get into that five six seed where you basically get a week go off. For it. I am yeah, all in with go that. For it. You've got you've got to go for it. Enough, Jimmy. Jimmy, if you had the energy to fly to Argentina and to go to a tennis match there and to go to a soccer match there and get back on the plane, and you felt you didn't need rest during the break, then show it in the back to back last game before yep. you and I reconvene next Wednesday. The Heat play next Monday in Philadelphia. First time the teams meet this season. First still of four remaining games. Obviously be big in playoff seating at Philadelphia. This Philadelphia regular season team versus the Heat. At the end of a three-game trip for the Heat, your thoughts on that game? Yeah. That's a tough one to win. They are pretty good at home. And they are, like you said, you're on you're on the end of the road trip. And they're a deep team. They really do still. I mean, I know how Jimmy Butler feels about uh, Tobias Harris, but if he's your fourth best player, you got a deep team, man. Yeah, no, I, I think that'll be a tough one. I think that's why the Heat have to get the first two of this trip again. You're in that tenuous playoff fight with Brooklyn, with New York. We'll sum it up a bit more next week when reconvene. We reconvene. He's Kurt Heelan. I'm Ira Winderman. This has been RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. But right now, the Big O Show rolls on.